Hello, Dr. Leitman. Hello. A few current events. Please. More than 25,000 people were killed in Turkey and Syria in the earthquake and one of the worst natural disasters in the last 100 years. When I thought about it, what comes to mind is you always say that the Creator does everything and I thought that there is unbearable cruelty here. For example, among the survivors in Turkey, there are those that fled from the civil war in Syria. Families with children that if they were able to be saved, it means that now they have no house, they're in terrible cold outside after they lost their relatives, of course. And I'm asking myself, what did people do that they deserve to suffer this way? Look, obviously, we don't have an answer. On the one hand. On the other hand, we need to think, why does the human race suffer so much? We're the smartest of all the still, vegetative, animate. We can do anything. We can make our life and also to think about earthquakes and health and all those things for them to be excellent. And still, why do we suffer? We need to answer this because the suffering doesn't end. To the contrary, the more we as if draw more and more abilities to ourselves in life, the more we suffer. The more we suffer. Why? Probably the more we advance, the more possibilities do we have to make our life good. And we're not doing it. So we suffer more. And here I see some kind of a rationale that I can say I was given an ability to make my life good, comfortable for myself, for others, to care for everyone, etc., etc., and I'm not doing it. Boom. On my head falls some kind of trouble. Uh, this is what I could answer. Besides their being in the wisdom of Kabbalah, more exalted and hidden explanations, etc. But eventually, I was given an opportunity. I can control all of nature, everything. I can make my life safe, good, nice, you name it. I don't take care of it in a general way for everyone, comes a blow. You look at it from a global point of view, yeah, that humanity has the ability to make life better and then come blows, yeah. But many times the blows come at the weaker people. Yeah, because they're not 
so well organized, they don't have the means, but actually everyone suffers. Kabbalah says that the Creator is good that does good. So it's written. How can you say something like that when you see the disasters that happen? Well, the Creator, He has a longer range of view, more into the distance, more into the future, more unique as compared to our field of view. And therefore, probably, from his position, it's possible to see things differently. Differently. So it doesn't really matter what I feel now, what will I feel in a few years. He wants to bring us to some kind of a very special, exalted goal, worthy goal. And we need to try and inquire it, understand it, and see whether we can reach a state where, or that he thinks of as a special state that we deserve. So he's good in the long run. He is good in the long run. He sees in the development of nature, in nature's attitude toward us, how we develop, how nature comes and arranges us brings us up, educates us. And even though, like in childhood, that we're usually discontent with our upbringing, we don't want to be pressured, yelled at, punished even. This is what we understand. Many times I hear children say, Mom's bad. Mom, that loves you so much. Bad? How could that be? Mom's bad. That's what a child thinks, a little child. So we are in such a framework where to teach us, to bring us to a state of good. For that, there's need for pressure, problems. And if we look at our development, then we see how serious these things can be. You're talking about nature and pressure. The feeling is that nature is like sending us from deep underground a missile against which we have no protection. Of course, like a little child in regard to his parents, what does he have besides yelling and out of his pampering, maybe disagrees? He doesn't want it. Can we sign a peace treaty with nature for nature to stop, calm down? Corona, wars, earthquakes, it's like from every side it strikes us. How can we calm it down, reach some kind of agreement? follow its nature, its laws, and do what it wants, and then you will have it good too. Nature wants something from me? What? 
do what it wants, and it will do what you want. What is his? What does it want? Its desire is for us to be good. Good means that we'll be connected positively together and a good, nice, courteous desire toward each other, all of us. And what does nature care? It's the law of nature that all parts of nature, they're all in harmony and a good and nice connection, positive connection between them and a person that goes in with his ego and wants to divide and push away and do whatever he feels like, then he arranges nature the opposite way. So, what do we need to learn from this disaster? Because we are actually the most developed from the still, the vegetative, and the animate, we people. We need to begin the correction in the connection between us to bring ourselves to a good, positive connection, to work in reciprocity, and then we'll see how in wanting to reach peace between us, He will make peace upon us. Amen. Moving on to our next topic. Something from Israel. In some of the recent terror attacks in Israel, the terrorist was killed by armed civilians. And it saved plenty of lives, of course. Recently, there's been a more than 300% increase in the granting of gun permits following the difficult security situation and the government's change in policy. And when I come to think about it, you know, suppose even everyone has a gun. Do you think that it will make us safer? Of course, it will make things safer. And we simply need to teach the citizens how to correctly use weapons. I thought that the hate against us is so great. In one of the recent terror attacks, a 13-year-old child hid between cars, started firing at people just walking down the street. A 13-year-old kid. And I have a feeling that no matter what you do here, from the other side comes such hate with, and so cunning and a desire to destroy and kill us that so everyone will have guns. So, look, you were in the army. I was in the army. What can you do? Still, There's no solution besides education and a gun. Really? What do you mean education and a gun? Because just like they said in America, just like Colt said, Creator made all people different, God made all people different, and Colt made them equal. Cold, you know, the gun. Yeah. That's it. Meaning, force. If everyone has the same force, 
Already you are in a state where a 13-year-old Arab child, he won't be the only one that will have a weapon, but everyone has, and everyone knows how to use it, and everyone also knows what might happen if I use it. What frightens me, frightens, but what's more frightening is that the 13-year-olds from those places, specific places here in Israel, have a gun that they live next to you and in their pocket they have a gun. You also said education. What do you mean by education? What kind of education means that everyone knows what does it mean to use a weapon? When can you and can't you, against whom, against what? This, too, is something that needs to permeate into society. So in order for this country to be a bit safer, that's education. And a kind of education that everyone knows, that everyone has a gun in their hand. Otherwise, only part of the people have. Only part of the people. I go to the Jaffa market, and for $500 or even less, whatever I want. Gun, rifle. You know, I imagine this picture, it's like a horror movie. But go there and see how you can get it. Anything you can get. No, I'm I'm looking forward. So a few years into the future, a person goes outside. Everyone outside has a gun in their... Has a gun, like a pen in your suit. But you see, even in the U.S. that they had such times... Nonetheless, they moved to more modern, strict laws, and they don't just use it, even though that everyone has even two guns. There were times where people had two guns. So we're going back to, we're not going back. I'm just telling you that in their development, they've reached a state where today they don't need the guns because everyone knows that, first of all, anyone can have a gun. There are many people that have a gun, and they know how dangerous it is to use it. When will we, have, will we ever have some quiet here? First of all, when we will know how we determine who is their place for here in the country and for whom isn't there. Who doesn't have a place in this country? Those that live against these laws. As simple as that. I caught someone, his entire family, all of his relatives, all of them out. Out of the country. What, is this, what do his relatives have to do with it in order to stop him from committing a crime? So, a strong hand against terrorism 
will it be enough? It will clean the area. What else would you add? I don't know. I don't think that there is anything else. Moving on to our next topic. Yeah. A new Israeli startup uses dogs to detect cancer in humans. A person is given a mask, he blows into it for a few minutes, the mask is then taken to a laboratory, allowing dogs to smell it. And in more than 90% of the cases, dogs were able to detect cancer patients. What's amazing is that they detected the cancer at very early stages before there are any symptoms. The consequence of this is, of course, dramatic because if you can detect cancer in an early stage, you can save many people. What do you think? There are such things in nature that we don't know about yet. Maybe we'll discover more and more of them, but that's beautiful. That's beautiful. If we'll be able to detect cancer at its very early stages and by that to save many lives. Look, when I read it, I really teared. I grew up since I was nine. My mom, may she rest in peace, she had cancer that was, of course, discovered too late and then, you know, all life long and more and more. But... You develop endless technologies and laboratories and devices and instruments. Comes a dog, sniffs, says cancer. Unbelievable. What is that? Why do you think that your laboratories are smarter than a dog? I see that one dog sniffs another dog and sees that it's a female dog and that she's having its season. And that's it. They don't need any laboratories, things. Everything's clear. Everything is clear. What do they smell? It's in the air. It's hormones. It's particles that spread from each of us too like it is with, to identify cancer and dogs understand it sn- smell it what else do animals have that everything everything around us around each of us there is a cloud of particles that we emit, according to which it's possible to identify anything there is in a person, even what he thinks, not only how he feels, what inner illnesses does he have, where, obviously. Animals feel all that? Most of them do, yes. We don't feel animals, and that's why we don't understand what they feel. I always thought that man's the smartest creature in nature, most developed. Mister, you see? Mosif Makov. Mosif Dat. Mosif Makov. 
Again, please. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. And in relation to this, what does it mean? That the smarter we are, the more vulnerable we are, more ill we are. And it doesn't mean that we're better. Do you think that in the future we'll be able to... We will not be able to do nothing in the way that we're developing. I see that the more we develop, the more weapons we have in our hands, bad things. We discover that we find in our hands. What is man missing? Reason. To see into the future, what are the results of living the way that he does? Well, let's hope that with God's help. Moving on to our next item. A new report states that between 2019 and 2021, there was a 40% increase in teenagers diagnosed with depression and a more than 50% increase in the number of teens diagnosed with eating disorders. The CEO of the Council for Children Welfare said, This report should resonate in the ears of the decision makers like an alarm clock that cannot be turned off. And from this very painful place, I want to ask you, what would you recommend to do in order to help this generation? There is nothing to do besides education. Besides education. But education needs to be special. that it will stop teenagers from developing into savages so that they'll understand how much we can harm each other. I have nothing to add to that. I'm not an expert in education. Only I think that we have to think about it. The Ministry of Education is the biggest ministry. But what's the use of its being big? There is a generation growing up here that practically half of it are diagnosed with depression. And many aren't diagnosed. What do you do educationally wise in order to get a generation out of depression? First of all, we need to see what's the reason for it. What's the reason for the depression in the young generation especially? What can we do in order to prevent it, in order to cure it? What are they lacking? What are they missing? If it's a matter of air pollution, water, food... What is it about? I don't know. seems to me that when people in the past lived more simply, then kids were happier. I remember myself. I had a tennis table. 
in my backyard, ping pong. From a five kilometer radius, people came, uh, children came to play, truly so. And I had a dog in my yard. I had a bicycle, different things. Today everyone has a bike. I see them driving, I don't know, scooters that are like Mercedes. But no joy. None. They're not happy. They travel, they do, they have clubs, they have things, you name it. But no. I think that it's the problem, a problem of the generation, that we're not investing in it the way we invested in ourselves. What was invested in us that much? I think that we're closer to our parents, to our neighbors, in general, to the nation, to everything that goes on. And this is what filled our life. Today, Everyone lives in a living in a corner of the their, in a living room corner with their mobile or computer, and that's it. Not wanting to have anything to do with the others and the parents. They're busy and putting food on the table because if you don't bring enough money, then you can't make it. That's how the world's built today. Therefore, I don't think that it's the generation. I think that it's a matter of neglection, our neglection as parents of the children, us neglecting the children. So it seems to me. What would you recommend to do in order to improve the situation? For the parents to work less, to pass more hours with the children, and different events. Making it so that you go to the sea. You even go to, I don't know, soccer, it doesn't matter what. But that these events will be something of the ordinary for children and parents together. I think that it's a must. There's no connection in the family. No connection. <clears throat> Kids have a life of their own, and it's something that they miss. No matter how much we don't hear about it, it's something that's missing. Moving on to our next topic. Rift in Israeli society. The demonstrations against the government are intensifying, 
as is the rhetoric, threats are sounded against the Prime Minister. The President's initiative for talks was rejected by both sides. It seems as if we're in a kind of dialogue of the deaf, with each side entrenched in their own position, not willing to hear the other's side. How can the sides have a dispute, but still that each side will respect and listen to the other side? That too is education, that unless the the generation is taught to do so, things are going to be grim. How could it be that after the elections and discussions and whatever there is, people think that they can make revolutions. How is that? Nothing good ever came from any revolution. People feel that the democracy that they want to live in is being destroyed regardless of who's in power now, but the foundations of the democratic country. The foundations of the democratic state no longer exist. We don't have a democratic government or country, and there's no point in dreaming that it ever existed. But it was always all for sale really for sale. And therefore, there is no room for all of these speculations. If I look at what people feel, I see that there is a side that feels that the other side is leaving the country to chaos, to disintegration. They really feel it, not... They really feel it on their flesh that this country is being destroyed, my future, the future of my children, and I can't convince the other side with pretty words, with rhetoric. What can I do? I understand the person's in distress. He's about to explode. They need to teach themselves how not to explode, as simple as that. There's need for education. There's need for explanation. There's need to see how a corrected society, if there is such a thing altogether, needs to exist. What is a connection between man and his fellow man? We need to correct ourselves. I don't see anything else besides this. I hear after the elections that we now need to fight in order to bring, restore, bring back to power the proper regime. Otherwise, we're losing democracy. 
What democracy are you losing? This means that if you're not in power, then it means that democracy lost. No, uh, the meaning is that the balance between the different systems is being tilted between the judicial authority, the legislative authority. The rules of the game are being changed, which changes the country regardless of who won the elections. Do you today, I tomorrow. But there's a certain way in which things work, and now they want to push it out of balance. That's what people feel. I'm not talking about petty politics, but this is really what people feel in their heart, why they go out to protest week after week. And they act out of this pain and out of the feeling that what I, feel, what I think is what will really be good. I understand that what you think you think will also bring good, but it leads us to a place where we're what? Look, today there's talk about refusing to go to the army, break the country up into two separate countries. How can we prevent all these scenarios? They're already... Well, if to look a bit ahead, I'll fight myself too. It's not that we'll stay in two separate countries, I and my neighbor. But I with myself and he with himself, we won't sit quietly either. Why? Because this is how our nature is. Can you explain that no one can sit quietly with himself? And so it doesn't seem to me that this is the way or direction to restore order, not internally nor externally. So what is the direction then? Love another as yourself. Love covers all crimes. And there's no other solution. Even though that we are at different ends in rejection, hate, and whatnot, we need to see ourselves, despite all that, that we need to reach a positive connection between us. Otherwise, what are you going to do? We have the biggest problem that that exists in mankind, and if we will find a solution, you'll see how all of humanity will feel and understand that finally those Jews found something that works. What do we need to find? A formula of how can all of us live together. Do you believe that it's possible? Well, if there's no choice, then in a thousand or two thousand years, we will find a solution, but it's still going to be this one. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. A private company will try to bring back a, to life a large bird that became extinct about 350 years ago with the help of gene editing. The bird's name is Dodo, a large flightless bird that has lived for millions of years in the forests of Mauritius close to the African coasts. 
According to the plan, the process will be completed within six years and the extinct animal will return to the forests of Mauritius. It reminded me of the movie Jurassic Park, where they brought dinosaurs back to life. There it was science fiction. Here they talk about it very seriously. What do you think? Sure, it's possible. It's merely 350 years. Eh. That's nothing. It's like from yesterday. And also, maybe it does exist someplace. Well, in the meantime, they're talking about cloning in a laboratory. I understand. I think that it's possible, of course. And, you know, what can be good about it? Scientists need to show that they're getting money for something. Do you think we should bring back creatures that disappeared? Like dinosaurs. You have an example. So, should we bring back creatures that disappeared already? Suppose we succeed in the cloning. I'm in favor of letting nature do what it thinks. And if certain species disappear, then we need to behave properly with each other. And whatever comes back, comes back, and what doesn't, doesn't, naturally. Suppose here the dodo bird disappeared because people came and hunt, hunted them. So people caused them to go and stay extinct. It's not that nature did it. But people that came there ate them. They said, dodo is good on the barbecue, so there's no more dodo. So my question is, today, many of our actions make it so that we heard everything around us harm it. So do you think that maybe we should do reverse engineering or, no, 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 not artificially. It's really going to be like with the dinosaurs. It's forbidden for us to get into nature. Nature is smarter. What it brings back, it does. What it doesn't, it doesn't. We only, between us, need to arrange, restore balance. What do you mean? Between us, people. What do you mean by balance? Balance meaning that we won't fight, that we'll live like any other species that's good, that there's room for it in nature. Otherwise, nature wants to get rid of us. Suppose we succeed in being in balance with each other. How will that affect the still, the vegetative, the animate, dodos, species that everyone is in one single system. And then we'll influence the entire system because we are the highest species. We'll influence all the different kinds and types so that everyone will feel that there's room for them. Suppose the dodo that disappeared, is there a chance that it'll come back? Sure. Where does it come back from? No, no, it's present. There's no such thing in nature that something disappears. It's present. It's not that it exists someplace, but once 
There's a system that is ready to sustain this species. Then it appears. That's amazing. Yeah, suddenly, Friday you go to the market and you buy yourself a dodo, bring it home, put it in my backyard. I don't know, it's big, small, it's big, a meter tall. So big. I put a dodo in my backyard. I like it. But what you told me now sounds even more science fiction than all the science fiction movies. It's not science fiction. It is the general system that exists, works in nature. Once we arrange everyone to the measure to which we can, that everyone will have a place in the general system of nature. Gradually, all parts of nature go back to their place. Beautiful. Moving on to our next topic. In general, fear is perceived as an undesirable emotion that you try to avoid. But there are circumstances where people enjoy being scared and they're even willing to pay for the experience. Scary movies, roller coasters, bungee jumping, extreme sports. What is the attraction we have to fear? A person wants to feel a limit that he's reaching the limit, that I've reached a state that really is beyond the ability, beyond the this, beyond the that, it's something. Why? What does it give him? It gives me a feeling of control over my life, a bit more than life. Why are people willing to pay to be frightened? Because, again, a person feels that he is beyond life. Beyond life? Yeah. Sometimes we like being afraid together, like watching a horror movie together in the cinema. All of us are shaking, but we're together. And it's strong. It's it's. Why does being together in fear has more power? It's so intense. It's a wonder, but people like it, yeah. I remember I took my girls when they were little to a movie about snakes. <laughs> and there you have this snake like coming out of the screen. So my little daughter sitting next to me and says, Dad, why did he pick me? But you need to go through all these things. I thought that maybe we're enjoying these frightening scenes because we know that the fear is unreal. Of course. Of course. Once you can escape it, that's something else already. Then you enjoy it. It's not just fear. It gives you pleasure. 
that you have some kind of control over it. So there's control that actually is stronger than the instinct that fear awakens in a person. Yeah. So what's the mechanism that generates the pleasure, powerful pleasure here? It's very powerful because fear, it permeates you down to the bones because man is an animal. And therefore, fear, when it rules over us, reigns over us, it goes down to your marrow. What are you afraid of? Me? Really? I'm not afraid of anything anymore. In the past, I was afraid that I want to be able to have time to do certain things in life. But that past... What do I have to be afraid of today? I don't feel it. Previously said that man can control the situation. How does control give us calm? Well, because I know that I'm in control, that at any given moment I can turn my future in the direction that I think is correct, rational. Can a person really do that? No, but that's what a person thinks. (laughs) If a person would see the truth, he wouldn't have been afraid of anything at all. Because then he'd see that he is in the hands of the upper force that is good and benevolent and that he has no control over it. And therefore, he wouldn't have been afraid. In order to not give a person this ability, we see that the Creator made it so that in every moment, we're afraid of our existence, of our future, etc. In conclusion, in conclusion, the main thing is not to be afraid at all. That's it. Even though the, the entire world is a narrow bridge. Thank you very much, Dr. Lightman. Good.